For marketing agencies and social media managers looking to prove the value of their work, I've got something special for you. Agora Pulse is not only Social Media Examiner's tool of choice as an all-in-one social media management tool, it also allows you to track the traffic, conversion, and revenue from every social post, comment, and private message. Learn how to prove your social media ROI with a free training or a free trial by visiting agorapulse.com SME today. Again, agorapulse.com SME. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and for business owners who want to know what works with social media. Super excited about today's show. Today, we're going to explore some creative ways that you can use Pinterest to help your business. AI has been a massive disruptive force over the past year. That's why we're excited to announce our brand new show, Introducing AI Explored. It's a weekly show hosted by me, Michael Stelzner. If you want to understand how to put AI to work, this is the show for you. Each week, we'll dive deep into using AI to your advantage. We're talking the practical, tactical stuff that I know you're probably craving. Search for AI Explored on your favorite podcast app, and happy listening. None other than Cynthia Sanchez, who's the host of the Oso Pinteresting podcast. You're going to love this episode. I'll also be sharing some tips on how to get people involved uh, when you're about to launch a company or a product. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go ahead and transition over to that right now. Here's a word from our tour guide. In the last episode, I mentioned My Kids Adventures, which is a brand new online magazine uh, that's launching this summer from Social Media Examiner. And in that episode, I mentioned why it's important to start with a vision. And feel free to go back to the last episode if you want to hear more about that. Um, this time around, what I'd like to do is mention how to get people to rally around your vision. So let me set the stage for you. Let's say that um, you've come up with a strong vision for a product uh, or for a company or for some sort of a new service that you're going to be doing, and you want other people to um, get involved. And you may want to do this because you want to essentially test to see whether or not there's even any demand for what your idea is, Um, or you may want to do it because you're looking to recruit people. So um, let me, first of all, back up and and just share with you that this is going to be a a regular episode. If you're new to the podcast, where I'm going to be sharing tips about how to essentially launch uh, whatever it is that you're thinking about doing. And I'm going to use this My Kids Adventures project as an example. And just a quick introduction, uh, My Kids Adventures will be an online magazine for busy parents who are looking for fun activities to do with their kids. And kind of use up all their juice at work and don't have a lot of creativity left and are looking for a resource so that they could create fun adventures with their kids, frankly, anywhere. So let me share a little bit about about what we did. The first thing that we did was we prepared a two-minute video that kind of explained a little bit about um, what the idea was. I'm going to go ahead and um, share that video with you right now. I recently went to Disneyland and while I was there... I realized the last time I had visited was seven years ago. Back then, my youngest wasn't even thought of. 
and my middle daughter was barely one years old and my oldest was only three or four years old. Where in the world have those years gone? I've been working so hard for the last seven years that my kids grew up way faster than I realized. But then while I was at the park, it hit me. Wait a second. We are the Indiana Jones generation. Where's that sense of adventure gone? Has my work really taken me away from my family this long? And unfortunately today, my kids are finding adventure by themselves with their devices and their game systems. I want to bring a real sense of adventure to my kids. I want to help other parents and grandparents create great adventures with their kids wherever they are. Think back to your childhood. If you're like me, you're hanging on to those awesome road trips and fun adventures. Wouldn't it be cool to take our kids on journeys, explore, create, and experience the awesome wonders of our world? What if there was a free resource? A recipe book, a step-by-step instruction guide that could help folks like me make moments our kids will remember. I decided it was time to build that resource. Sometimes all we need are a few good ideas to spark our creativity. This is My Kids Adventures. Will you join me? Let's bring fun back the family. So to give you a little backstory on this video, um, I had decided about two weeks before um, the start of Social Media Marketing World to do this video. And um, what I did was I took my iPhone with me because I happened to be on vacation and I captured some videos. And then I um, came into um, the podcasting studio here and recorded the script and edited it a couple times. And reached out to a guy um, that works at my kid's school and that goes to my church who did some video work and asked if he could help me, you know, show spend a day at my house. Um, and literally, we just went all over the place. And you have to watch the video because there's a lot of really amazing visuals behind this video. But long and short of it, um, we were able to throw together a really incredible video and also um, get an original music score done. And it wasn't really as much money as you might imagine. And um, I just knew that I needed to have this video available to show after my um, opening keynote at Social Media Marketing World. So basically, I gave my opening keynote. And then at the end, I said, oh, there's one more thing. And I showed this video, and it's only two minutes long. And then what ended up happening was crazy. Um, The number of people that came up to me was absolutely insane. I'd say almost 10% of all the people in attendance came up to me and said, wow, I want to find out more about this. What is this? I want to be part of this. Um, And then what ended up happening was I also uh, introduced this video in uh, episode 37, uh, I believe back in April. Um, I put it on the the website and and played the audio in the uh, actual podcast. So what this ended up doing was... um, it was like a soft launch. So instead of normally when we, we launch something, we have it completely figured out. In this case, all I really had was the logo designed and a script and some music and a bunch of video footage. 
And I just wanted to see whether or not the message resonated with the audience. And the overwhelming response was, oh my gosh, I need something like this. So um, after the video was over with, I directed people to go to a special webpage. And on that webpage, I had a couple options for people. Um, number one was to sign up for what I called the founders list. And the founders list is just a list of people that want to be notified um, when we have news related to the launch of My Kids Adventures. And then below that was an option to fill out a form that said, I would like to help. And on the page, we said we're looking for people to help create content. And what's really amazing about um, creating this video that essentially showed and and demonstrated in, in, in a multimedia way what the vision was for My Kids Adventures, we had um, more than 100 people that signed up and said, I want to help. Now, in the next podcast, I'm going to explain what we did with those people. Um, but um, and in addition to that, we had hundreds of people that said, I want to be on the founders list. So the moral, this, and by the way, you can see an example of the video and the form and all this stuff at socialmediaexaminer.com slash kids. So the take home lesson here is that normally we're taught to have everything fully baked before we let the world know about it. And I just decided to try something totally different this time, which is just to put together a very polished but very quick video that we, we, we put together literally in two weeks and to see whether or not the world resonated with it. And I knew that if the response was crazy, that we were going to be on to something. And indeed, that's exactly what ended up happening. So the take-home lesson for you is if you've got a brand new idea, why not Make it so that people can rally around that idea by simply putting together a video, which is a lot less effort than putting together an entire website or an entire product. And then with that video, it can serve as a recruitment people, I'm sorry, a recruitment vehicle around which people can share that video with other people. Uh, people can decide to want to become involved and it can become a really, really great creative outlet. And as I'm going to share in our next episode, the response was deep and it was wide and it was insane. And it's going to allow My Kids Adventures to be launched in a way that I could not have ever done had I not opened things up really early and asked for people to want to be involved. So hopefully you found a little inspiration in that. If you want to learn more, you can always um, check out socialmediaexaminer.com slash kids. Look at how I scripted the video, how I created the video. Look at the forms that I've got there on the site. Uh, one other thing I want to mention, uh, we do have a voicemail hotline. If you visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash voicemail, you can leave a message for us. And if we like the question that you've asked, we may include it in a future episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast and also uh, profile you on the blog post with a link back to your website. In addition, if you enjoy this podcast, I would love it if you'd help get the word out. The easiest way to do that is to visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash love. This will populate a tweet into your Twitter stream, letting your Twitter followers and fans know about this podcast. Okay, with that, let's transition over to today's Pinterest interview, interview with Cynthia Sanchez. You're going to love it. To help simplify your social safari, here's this week's special guest. I'm very excited to be joined today by Cynthia Sanchez. If you don't know who Cynthia is, she's the host of the Oh So Pinteresting podcast, which I strongly recommend. And she also freely admits that she's addicted to none other than Pinterest. 
Yes, it's changed her life in a major way. And now she's helping other businesses figure out how to tap into this growing network. Cynthia, welcome to the show. Oh, Michael, thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited to be here. So today, Cynthia and I will explore some creative ways that your business can benefit from Pinterest. Now, Cynthia, before we get started, let's back up for a second. I'd like you to share a little bit of your story. What did you used to do and how in the world did Pinterest grab you and take you away from that? Oh my goodness. I am worlds away from where I used to be. I am and was practicing as an oncology nurse, um, specifically radiation oncology. And one of my projects that I had at the cancer center I worked at was to develop a program called navigation. I was a nurse navigator. And what that entailed was me taking people from their diagnosis and kind of leading them into the next place they needed to be, explaining things along the way. I'm sure you can understand in that stressful time, there's a lot of confusion, a lot of new terms, a lot of phrases. So there was a lot of teaching, a lot of reaching out, that type of thing. And I'd always kind of had this entrepreneurial spirit about me, but doing that in the medical world really is limiting when you're dealing, you know, with your license and, you know, all the legal ramifications that are associated with that. So I, over, you know, at the end of, I guess, gosh, that was 2011, I joined Pinterest and I noticed myself saying Pinterest a lot, you know, and I had been on other social media platforms, had been on Facebook for years, and I had never had anything just take over my life like Pinterest had. I was going it to to it to find information, you know, for patients. I was going to it to find information for my personal life, and it just took over. Um, and at the, I guess, February 2012, I launched my blog all about Pinterest, and it really evolved from more of the personal use and how I was using it into the business use. I was contacted by a local company, and they said, hey, we noticed you know about Pinterest. Can you help us with that? We think that's where we really belong. Um, and that grew from there. I started gaining clients, and um, I said goodbye for now to maybe forever, I'm not sure, to the nursing world. Um, But I found that everything that I learned as a nurse has definitely helped me in becoming a small business owner. And how long after you um, began, um, you know, dedicating yourself to the blog and um, did you start the podcast? Was that straight out of the shoot or did you do that a couple months later? No, the podcast started way later. Um, The podcast started a year after the blog launch. So February 2013, my podcast started. And why did you decide to do a blog in the beginning and then later a podcast? I'm just curious. Well, the blog seemed a little bit less technologically confusing. Um, You know, there are lots of easy platforms. I went with WordPress, went with a self-hosted WordPress uh, um, site because I had some technical help from my husband. He's an IT guy. So he was able to help me get that launched. Um, But the podcast was just something else to add on to. And once I got to the point that, okay, I kind of got this blogging thing down. I got WordPress to where I'm fairly, you know, I can tread water in it. I'm by no means an expert. Um, then it was time to bring on the podcast. I knew that I was always interested in podcasting and also the timing seemed right. When I first started my blog back in you know February of last year, when I would tell people what I was writing about, especially at conferences, they were like, oh, okay, that's cool. Okay. But when I went to New Media Expo back in January of this year, I told people what I was writing about and the reaction was way different. Oh my gosh, I need to talk to you about that. I need to learn how to use that. I know it's, you know, it's something I should be on. Um, so the timing was right too. You know, it's really interesting as, as a side note, um, Pinterest is clearly a visual platform and um, there's a lot of people out there that think, well, you can't have a podcast on something like photography or how in the world could you have a podcast on something like Pinterest? What do you say to those people just as a little aside? Because clearly your podcast is an audio podcast. 
Yes, it's it's strictly audio. There are some out there that are video and audio, but mine is strictly audio. And I talk about the the tactics to use with it, the features of it, things to approach, you know, ways to approach it with your business. I interview other people that are using it. Um, actually, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I brought I interviewed a podcaster and a photographer who are both getting started on Pinterest, and we talked about ways that they could use it to help grow their businesses. Um, so I interview people who have had success with it, you know, things that they are trying. Um, I interviewed somebody from a UN, the UN Foundation called A Shot for Life, and they're using it for promotion of their, you know, their nonprofit cause. So there's there's a lot of things that you can talk about, even though it's, it is so visual. Okay, so let's dig into it here. Um, uh, Pinterest for a lot of us, um, myself included, is uh, kind of a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in my case, I know my wife uses it, um, and. I know that uh, people write about it for Social Media Examiner, Mm -hmm. Um, but I understand that it's a lot more than what just meets the eye. It's a lot more than just uh, a bunch of pretty pictures. And um, one of the things that that we talked about uh, before this podcast is that it can actually be used for some pretty interesting uh, business uses, and one of them being market research. Can you explain how people are using Pinterest for market research? Sure. There's lots of there's lots of ways that you can use it. You know, primarily if you already have a presence on Pinterest, take a look at those people that are following your account. It's easy just to click on the number of followers you have, and a list will pop up of all the people that follow you. Take a look. Are, are they predominantly you know a certain age group? Are there you know more you know older women, younger women? which is primarily on Pinterest now, but depending on your, your area of business, you could have a large following of men. Um, and we got to remember that Pinterest is an international type of, of service. It's not just, you know, here in the States. So in other countries, P- Pinterest is, you know, a little bit more mixed. It's not such a predominant female type of service. Um, so take a look at your followers and click through them and see what other boards they're following, what other accounts and brands they're following, because you can see who they follow by clicking on their following number. So you can take a look within those numbers and within those, you know, boards and those accounts to see what they're also interested in. So that could spur some ideas on, you know, products that they're interested in and things that they're wanting to learn about. Did you know that, you know, if you're you're a floral type of business, let's say you're a florist and you think your your following is predominantly interested in weddings. Well, no, they're interested in centerpieces for holidays because that's what they're pinning, you know. So maybe you want to write a blog post about your approach to, to you know, making a centerpiece for the holidays or things to consider, flowers, you know, you may or may not want to use. So it really depends on, you know, what your market is, but you can pick out a lot of information. Um, within a Pinterest account, a lot of people put where they're located. Did you know that most of your following was from the East Coast of the United States or from within your local area? Um, you can have the city and state listed or just the state listed in your account. So those are things to look at. Another thing you can look at is do they link up their other social networks? So let's say the people that are following you, you can look in their accounts and they can have their Twitter account linked up to it. And then from there, you know, you can kind of just dive down this rabbit hole and keep on digging further and further in. Um, There's a service that I like uh, to use. It's an analytics service. I'm not sure if you want me to mention it here. Yeah, go for it. Okay. It's called PinLeague. And if you you can, there's a free account that you can open up um, and for their analytics service. How do you spell that? P-I-N-L-E-A-G-U-E. Okay. 
And within that service, uh, you can look at your account's analytics in a different way. Pinterest does offer its own analytics, um, but within PinLeague's analytics, you can see who your most influential followers are. And by influential, I mean they have the most followers. Did you know that you had somebody that had over a million followers on Pinterest following you? Mm. Well, you might want to check out their accounts and see what they're interested in because then they'll take more notice of what you pin and then that can be spread and you know your logo, your business name attached to your business account will stay with that repin. You know, so it's a good way to to really look more deeply into um where maybe the direction you should take your account and the pins that you pin. It sounds like Pinterest has, is kind of following the track that Twitter's following where they're opening up their API and allowing third-party developers to somehow do something with the data, um, much like you see a bazillion tools that are out there on Twitter. Is that an accurate assessment or is there is it still early days and there's very few apps out there that are somehow using the data inside of Pinterest? It is still very early days. Pinterest has not opened up their API to developers yet. So the apps that are out there that you can use, the services that are out there, I'm not sure exactly how consistent they are. um, or I don't want to say it's not reliable, but sometimes, you know, those little quirks in the data, um, I'm not sure how they're working them out. But, you know, I've seen it match up really closely with PinLeague to what, you know, the information I get straight from Pinterest. Um, But that is one of the reasons why we're not seeing that many apps. That's one thing that people are always asking me about. How can I schedule my pins? You know, the Hootsuite for Pinterest. Does Pinterest, you know, work with Hootsuite? No, unfortunately, it doesn't because the API hasn't opened yet. But it looks like they're inching that way. They do have a little developer site where there is some information for developers, but the API has not been opened up yet. Another thing that you can do as far as market research goes is check out what your competitor is doing. Um, PinLeague does offer you to open up an account to check out your analytics, but also monitor what one competitor is doing for free. Um, If you want to monitor more competitors, that's where the charge starts to come in. But if you want to do a quick search on what your competitors are doing and what they are seeing or finding success with on Pinterest, you can just go to Pinterest.com slash source and then put in the URL of your competitor. And if they have an account on Pinterest, things that have been pinned from that URL will pop up. So you can see what people are pinning from them. And that may kind of guide you in a way that you could go um, as well for your business. Now, and it, whether they have a Pinterest account or not, doesn't it still work? Or when it you, does work. It yeah. does work, yeah. Yeah, because mm-hmm. as long as it's a popular website, you're going to find that stuff. Cynthia, yeah. let, me, let me ask you this question. Um, I know you spend a lot of time in Pinterest, and I know that there's been a huge um, variety of creative applications of images uh, on Pinterest. Are there any particular trends image-wise that you're seeing on Pinterest that may be... Um, worth people experimenting with a little bit? You know, I think the most important thing overall, no matter what type of business you're in, is go tall rather than wide. I've seen, I've come across quite a few websites and blogs where the images are wide to fit within the width of the, you know, the blog post or the article or the product, you know, it's just a little square image. Um, Go tall rather than wide because on Pinterest, everybody gets the same 
real estate as far as width goes. Ah. But if you go tall, you can kind of take up more of the feed and have more of a chance to have your image grab some more attention. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. So, and like with infographics, those are really popular on Pinterest, especially in, you know, the business world, the marketing world, um, you know, blogging, those types of things where you can get a lot of information in one image. And within those images, they they can be infinitely long on Pinterest. But Pinterest has just in the last week or two started something new in the main Pinterest feed on the desktop version of Pinterest, they will be cut off about 1,935 pixels or so. Mm. Um, And then this little gray box will show up within the feed and it'll say expand pin. So that way you can see the whole image. It's not really cut off. You know, it's just hidden. Is there a file size limitation on Pinterest? Not, not that I've been able to find. No. Okay, Uh cool. So the image can be pretty big and pretty, pretty, you know, pretty good file size as well. How in the world does somebody create such a long image? I mean, uh, is there some sort of special tools that make that easier? There are some infographic tools out there that you can use. Um, There's uh, services out there that you can purchase to have one designed professionally for you. Um, There's even an easy way around it, an easy freeway. And that's the way I like to go. (laughs) Um, And I use PicMonkey. And I know that's been mentioned a few times here on your podcast, but it is just an amazing service. Yeah, and PicMonkey, uh, you want to just explain what it is for those who hadn't heard heard about it before? Sure. It's an online em- edit- image editing service, and they have this collage feature that you can use. And you can make a collage of images of you know something that's relevant to your business or your industry and make that into an infographic or something – that's a new term coming around called instructographic. Yeah, what is that? So, yeah, so let's say you have a tutorial on, let's go back to the florist, on how to, you know, you know you're supposed to kind of cut off the bottom of the flowers when you bring them home from the florist. But are you supposed to cut them underwater? Do you, you know, should you use a knife? Should you use scissors? So you have this, this set of images that tells you step by step how to do something. Mm. Um, so if you can depict that in images, take pictures of each step. And within PicMonkey, you can make this into a collage and then save the collage and then reopen it in its regular image editing side. And then you can add text over it to tell the steps. So let's say you bring home your flowers, you unwrap them, you cut the stems, you put them in so much water, you add the food, that type of thing. But the key here is, is to give just enough information where they know what it's about. It tells them the steps, but you want to make sure that they need to come back to your site. Uh Uh-huh. Talk about that. What's the trick? How do you do that? Yeah, that's the key with Pinterest. Sure, it's great to have the repins and the follows and that type of thing, but you want to get them back to your site. So just put it, like I said, put in enough information. So let's say you had a special mixture for the plant food, for the flower food to keep them alive longer. We'll say for the full recipe for the plant food, come and see us at www.yourflowers.com or you know whatever your site is. Um, that way you not only get the repins and the share because it's useful. And that's what pin- people on Pinterest are looking for, things that are useful, things that are inspiring, things that evoke emotion. Um, so put that information on where to find you within the image, and you can do that all in PicMonkey. And, of course, repeat you know some of those keywords that you want to be found for in the pin description when you pin it to Pinterest. Is there any special... Um you know, in the marketing world, we refer to this as the call to action. Is there a special place to put this call to action to click here to get the more details on how to mulch or whatever, you know? Um, sure. Is it like at the bottom, it would, I mean, logically seem like that's where you would want to put it, but is that necessarily the best place? What are your thoughts on that? 
you know, I think it just depends on the layout and how you approach it. You could put, you know, at the top, you know, secret recipe for keeping your flowers alive for a long time. And then, you know, at the bottom, then you could put for, for full details, a call to action. So something to kind of grab their attention at the top and then let them get through all the information and then tell them where to go get it. You can also put the call to action in the pins description with your URL in it. Uh. Let's say, um, you know, you want them to go back to your blog. So you put your blog's you know, hold the URL in there and they click on it within the pin description, it'll take them back. So that gives you an opportunity for two links, one within the pin and then one within the pin description. Now let's talk about um, how content is actually seen by users of Pinterest. Is it more like Twitter where there's this constant stream of just tweet after tweet after tweet? Or is it more like Facebook where only a certain percentage, if you're lucky, shows up in the quote unquote news feed? Where does Pinterest fall? How, how is it seen? How is it determined whether or not fans see image X, for example? <laughs> well, it's kind of a, almost a hybrid of those approaches because you do have this continuous feed of the people that you follow. And it used to be that you could go back on Pinterest, just keep on going back and scrolling down and scrolling down like you could on Twitter and just keep on going back infinitely. But it seems to have stopped. You get kind of get to the end now. Now, whether that's a number of pins or it's over a particular time frame, it's a little bit hard to tell because sometimes, you know, people are more active on Pinterest than on others. So I could go back, you know, maybe a day or so. Um, other times when people are really active, I can't go back quite as far. Um, so, but the thing that's different about it, let's say if I know somebody is really reliable on pinning great stuff when it comes to you know, marketing tips because they pin everything from social media examiner. <laughs> I know that's on their board. I can go to their account because I know they're a reliable source and those pins will be there within that board forever, you know, until they take them down, until they, you know, decide to delete them or, you know, if they ever decided that. So it's always there. And when I come across new accounts, I find that I go within their boards and their topics that I'm interested in and scroll back because you never know what would pop up and catch your interest or be relevant to the people that you're trying to pin for your customers. Um, so it's so, more like Twitter than it is like Facebook because with Facebook, you don't you're not guaranteed to see um, exactly everything someone posts today. For example, where with Pinterest, if you're only following five people, chances are pretty good you're going to see everything they put out, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and that does really bring up a good point. Depends on how many counts accounts you follow. Um, in that, you know, and how active they are, you know, so if you follow an account that's only pinning, you know, once a week, it's going to be, you know, your, your feed's going to look different than if you followed, you know, a lot of accounts that have pinned multiple times a day. So how many accounts are you following, if you don't mind me asking? A little over 600, I think, if I remember correctly. So how do you, d does it allow any kind of sorting, um, like Google Plus or, or Twitter lists or anything like that? Or do you just have this massive amount of stuff coming in? <laughs> there is a little bit in how you can select what you see. So um, the things that I'm not interested in, I could go back to that person's account. Let's say they, they pin a lot about, you know, mountain climbing. I'm not a mountain climber. I live in Texas. It's very flat. There are no mountains for me to climb. Um, so if that's not interesting to me, I can go to their account and unfollow that board about mountain climbing. But I could definitely stay in touch with their board about social media. I see. Gotcha. So I, could, I can kind of select and filter to an extent. Now, Let's say that um, my goal with Pinterest is to drive people somewhere to grow an email list. Um, can Pinterest be used to somehow get people onto an email list? And if so, what's the strategy? 
Yes. You know, um, you want to provide value with your email list. So whether you're just saying, you know, get my weekly updates, you know, which is our blog posts, our podcast episodes, whatever the case may be, or get this free ebook. If you're offering a freebie with your, you know, subscription to your email list, those can all be advertised or promoted on Pinterest. So what you could do is easily create a graphic you know, using a service like PicMonkey or Photoshop, whatever you're comfortable with, um, showing that that ebook cover or that, you know, PDF download that you have available and then link it to the landing page where they can sign up on your email list. Um, so that gives a way for you to kind of just show that one specific part of your site. Um, so make it just as you would entice, you know, make it enticing, make it informational, make it, you know, something desirable to do the way you do it on your site is the same way you could approach it on Pinterest. Um, and that's something that you could kind of share multiple times. It's not just a one time deal if it applies to, to different boards. So let's say my, if I had a, let's say a PDF download about my approach to social media, I could put it on my social media board. I could put it on my small business board. I could put it on my Pinterest board. So it can be repeated a few times. Now, of course, as with anything else, you want to be careful. You don't want to come across as spammy. Um, but it, it can be used within Pinterest in that way. Um, Sephora did a really good job as far as trying to grow their Pinterest following through their email marketing um, last fall. They had all of their products that they were promoting in this email able to be pinned within Pinterest right from their email. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, so they had this pin it button you know, right on all the products. So that helps people who they knew were already on Pinterest promote their products on Pinterest through the email. Um, that's, you know, you could also target your, your email list, you know, or are they on Pinterest already? And if you know that those followers are on Pinterest because they came through your link on Pinterest to your landing page to sign up on your email, you can make those emails targeted to your Pinterest audience. And, you know, that was one thing I would recommend doing because if I am a Pinterest user, but I'm not on Twitter and you email me something about being on, you know, a Twitter chat or retweet this, I may not understand and it may be kind of confusing for me. But if you send me an email that's just directed to me because I came to you through Pinterest and you, you know, send me something about pin this, I understand that. That's speaking in my terms. Make sense? Yeah, totally. Um, for people that are doing like the longer graphics, um, infographics or instructor graphics, um, is there any reason they couldn't take like a bottom corner and say, like, let's just say it was gardening. And let's say they put, came out with a weekly graphic on gardening tips. Is there any reason they couldn't take a little space out of the bottom and says, said something along the lines of for, um, for detailed articles on gardening delivered straight to your inbox, go here, you know, so that's like a yep. little ad within the pin. That is a great idea. Great idea right there. And I think that would be really effective. And, you, and the thing with Pinterest is you don't know how far it will spread or how long it will spread. You know, like I said, I go to, to you know, new accounts that I follow and I dig around their old pins. I mean, I could find something that they pinned a year ago, put it on my account, and then it could start spreading again. And you could so, promote anything. You could promote your, 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 um, your podcast, right? Exactly, which I have. Yeah. How do you do that? Yeah. I mean, like, what's um, the process? Like, give us an example of an image and how the pod, or is the entire pin about the podcast? Well, I've done, for each podcast episode, I make a graphic that goes onto the blog post with it. And at the bottom somewhere, it says that it's episode 
whatever. Right now we're up to episode number 17. Um, and then when I was getting ready for the launch of the podcast, I took my cover art that I made for iTunes and said, you know, Pinterest podcast, the also Pinteresting podcast coming soon. You know, want to learn about Pinterest? You know, here you go. Um, so I kind of did a little bit of a launch kind of promotion that way. And then when it launched, I made this, you know, another image with the cover art in the middle and, you know, Grand starting, I forget what I said, a launch, you know, announcing the all new, you know, podcast about Pinterest. You could probably um, put the faces of some of your guests in, into some images too, I would imagine, right? Yes, yes, definitely. Um, you know, especially if you have well-known guests coming on and people recognize their image in that industry. Sure, definitely. You know, there's the, you know, the possibilities are endless when it comes to, to images and you can just get so much communicated through a simple image. Is there any kind of tagging capabilities? You know how like with Twitter, you can you can uh, at tag, you know, uh, another Twitter person and then they'll recognize that they've been tweeted about or on Facebook. You know, you can tag a face of someone. Uh, Is there something like that on Pinterest? Yes, there is. Um, It used to be just limited to the desktop version, but they've actually recently added that capability onto the mobile apps as well. Um, They've made a lot of changes to their mobile apps and to the desktop version. And that is something that has come just come out in the last week where you could do it on all of them. So I could, you know, at tag you and you would get a notification saying that I left you a comment or I recommended a pin to you. Talk to me about the mobile side of things. Um, for example, we, we've heard some of the stats lately about how um, many people are mobile on Facebook. And I'm just curious, have you heard any stats about whether or not people tend to be using Pinterest more uh, at a desktop versus on a mobile device? I don't have any stats ready for you, but I know that it is very popular to pin, you know, from a mobile device. You know, for me, I'm out and about, and that's what's really good as far as using Pinterest from your your mobile for your marketing, you know, approach. If you want to be active on Pinterest and you know really engage and, and build a following, doing it on the go is easy. You open the app, you pin a couple of things to your account, and that's keeping your account fresh in people's feeds. Um, so they are really looking towards, you know, making the mobile app a really core part of their offering. Now, earlier we talked about how uh, PicMonkey makes it really easy to create pictures. Um, is there any other advice you would give to anybody that's maybe not super visual, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like people listening right now might be like, what in the world am I going to, what kind of image am I going to create? I I can write or I can speak, but I don't know anything about images. You got any tips? Sure. You know, one thing that, especially when you're talking about those abstract concepts, like business concepts or, or service types of industries, sometimes those get a little bit challenging to represent in a visual way. And like I said, I like the free things. I like to go inexpensively because we're all on a budget. And one of my favorite places to go is Morgfile, morgfile.com. And they offer royalty-free, attribution-free images that you can use and manipulate however you see fit. You just can't reuse them on their own. So you can make postcards of them and sell them, you know, Um, but you can use them within your graphics. So, you know, you can kind of look for things that, you know, maybe just have a colorful background or, you know, you could use the corner of it. Like, you know, if we're going back to gardening, if you find there's beautiful images of flowers and, you know, add some text over it to kind of convey your message. So if you had a picture of a sunflower and then you put gardening tips over it, 
there you go. Um, and then you can add that to your blog post um, and then pin that to Pinterest to bring traffic back to you. Um, also, use the tools that you have. Most of us have smartphones, especially if we're in business. Those, those seem to be a requirement now. Um, and use the smartphone and the camera. The camera within that smartphone is better than any digital camera you probably could have bought off the shelf. 10 years ago, you know, totally. so you got a powerful tool in there. Use that and just kind of get creative. Um, there's some great blogs out there about how to use your iPhone better um, and to take pictures with. And there's the apps that you can add those filters with to give them more of an artistic look. There's even apps out there where you can add text directly to your iPhone pictures. Huh. And, and don't forget about Instagram. You know, you can add those. You could use pictures from there, add all those funky filters over there, make something really creative and use that in your blog post. Um, so the, the barrier to entry as far as having to have, you know, stock images that, that cost, you know, a lot of money has come way down. It's really easy to get really good images cheaply and easily. Can you mention the name of that um, that website earlier, Morgue something or another? Morgue file. Yeah, I know. It's as, kind in, of a as in going to the morgue, right? Yeah, it's a morbid name. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to make sure I heard that right. So, okay, yeah, we'll make sure to... Pic- it's where pictures go to die, I guess. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe it's like the uh, maybe it's like the equivalent of Marshalls for, for photographs or something there like that. There you go. You know? <laughs> the last little bits. But, you know, there's you have to do a little digging, kind of like Marshalls. Um, but <laughs> you will find some really good gems. And the longer I'm on there, the more higher quality pictures I find. Um, people, like I said said it's just getting easier and easier to produce these really great looking images sure. um, and you can contribute to morgue file if you you know you want to share your own images and share them with the world you can just put them up there if you have a nice beach scene or a tree or a flower um, and give that opportunity for other people to to use you know some some really good images and i know there's obviously uh, iStockphoto.com, which is the letter i um, mm-hmm. it's gotten a little more expensive nowadays that it was, it was acquired by some, one of the big photo companies. And of course they decided to increase the cost, but yeah. if you have it's, a small budget, there's some great photos out there too. As far as paid images, I tend to use uh, pond five oh. um, and they have images starting as low as a dollar. Wow. Is it the number five or is F I V F I V E? The number five, P-O-N-D, and then the number five. Um, they also have video in there and sound images. So as a podcaster, I like to kind of peek around at the little sound effects and music that they have. Very cool. Well, um, Cynthia, this has been like crazy. You, you've presented just tons of ideas. I'm sure that the Pinterest uh, beginners out there are going nuts writing down a lot of things. And those of us that are the Pinterest neophytes that know absolutely nothing like myself are probably like, <laughs> wow, this is really cool. I didn't know you could do all that stuff. So um, where can people discover more about you and your podcast, your blog, whatever else? Is there a place that you would want to send them? Yes, everything can be found at ohsopinteresting.com. And that's O-H, right? Yes, O-H-S-O, Pinteresting.com. Mm-hmm. Cynthia, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to share your oh-so-interesting story. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much. It was my pleasure. I had a great time. Well, I hope you got a lot out of that episode. Definitely, uh, Cynthia Sanchez knows her stuff when it comes to Pinterest. Be sure to check out her Oh So Pinteresting podcast. Also, I know there were a lot of resources that we mentioned uh, in today's podcast. You can find the show notes at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 45. That'll take you to a page where we list every single resource that's mentioned in the podcast. And you'll also have an opportunity to leave your comments and or questions. Also, uh, we did mention earlier uh, My Kids Adventures. If you want to learn a little bit more about that, you can visit socialmediaexaminer.com 
slash kids. One last thing to let you know about is that uh, if you enjoyed this podcast and you haven't gotten around to doing this yet, I would love it if you'd head over to iTunes and give us a rating and or a review. And the easiest way to do that is to simply visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash iTunes, all lowercase. That'll forward you right to where you need to go to be able to do that. And by giving us a rating and review, it helps us to get discovered by all those great folks out there using iTunes. Well, this does bring us to the end of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Stelzner. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. If you're like so many fellow marketers and creators and entrepreneurs, you're probably wondering, how do I put AI to work? Well, be sure to listen to the AI Explored podcast, a new show from Social Media Examiner, hosted by yours truly, Michael Stelzner. Again, check out the AI Explored podcast.